0: If you would, take advantage of the grace that has been given to you and grab a Bible and turn with me to the gospel according to Mark, chapter 7. The New Testament book of Mark, chapter 7. We again this morning will read verses 1 to 23. If you're a guest with us, we are working our way through this gospel. Where Mark presents to us Jesus Christ as our king and shows us what the kingdom of God is is like? In chapter seven we are engaged or watching a battle being engaged between Jesus and the Pharisees. Thinking about ultimate matters, the kingdom of God answers the most important questions in our life. And last week we looked at how the kingdom answers the question of authority. Today we will see in Mark chapter 7 how Jesus and his kingdom answer the question of of morality, what is right and what is wrong, good and evil. With all that in mind, let's read Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 23. This, friends, is the word of the Lord. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For... You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Thus, making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, Come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Tonight, with all of the houses decorated... Yards that look like graveyards, kids and adults parading in costumes and face paints. What if, friends, instead of costumes, what if all of us and our neighbors could see each other's darkest secrets? What if instead of some make-believe superhero or monster, everyone wore a costume that represented the grossest event in their life, the most heinous thought, the most disgusting deed? What if we walked the streets in those costumes? Would that be any less haunting? Brothers and sisters, Jesus sees your heart. He knows everything about you. And there's good news with that. It's why he came. Mark is showing us in this battle between Jesus and the Pharisees this truth, brothers and sisters. Jesus knows who you really are. And that's who he came to save. Jesus sees you in that darkest outfit. And that's exactly the kind of person that he came to redeem. Last week, we saw how the kingdom of God answers the question of authority about where do the rules come from. And in this second section, we're going to dive deeper into the idea of good and evil, darkness and light. And ask this question of morality together. Where does the danger come from? When trying to live the moral life, when trying to live for God, when trying to be a spiritual person, when trying to be a good person, where does the danger come from? And again, like last week, we will see two very different answers. First answer comes from the Pharisees, and they say the danger in the moral life comes from the outside. Look at verse 4 with me. As Mark explains the mentality of the Pharisees, he says this. When they, the Pharisees, come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Many of us grew up reading the children's book, Are You My Mother? And maybe if you didn't read that as a kid, you read it to your kid or grandkid. If you don't remember the story, I'll remind you. A little baby bird hatches while his mother is out flying away from the nest. And one creature to the next, this little bird approaches them and asks the simple question, Are you my mother? It's the same approach the Pharisees took when it came to finding the danger of being unclean, looking for the mother. According to one commentator, to the Pharisees, listen, there must be a mother of defilement, an outside source that by physical contact, contact, uncleanness, was contracted. They were concerned with where the evil came from. And so they looked for what they called the mother of uncleanness. Where the evil originated. That's what's going on as they wash all these pots and cups and couches. They had found the mother of defilement. I'm going to take you back to a story in the Old Testament to show you how they would approach it. In Judges, chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, we come to the story of Samson. And after some days, the Bible tells us, Samson returned to take her, and Samson turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. At the end of this meal, Samson and his mom and dad are defiled. They are unclean. And in their investigation, the Pharisees would determine that the dead lion is the mother of of defilement, where the uncleanness had come from. Short and simple, the danger flows from out there in here. Always. The danger comes from the outside. Now, story of Samson doesn't seem like a very likely scenario. How many times do you think the Pharisees or anyone sat down to eat and thought to themselves, You know what? I ate some food out of a dead carcass today, out of a dead lion. Probably didn't happen very often, but if you read the Old Testament, the opportunities for this danger were everywhere. We're not going to read it today, but if you'd like to look more into this, Leviticus chapter 11 shows you all the opportunities to be unclean? Just a simple survey. You had to watch out for camels, badgers, hares, pigs, anything in the water that did not have scales or fins, So anything that's not a fish, lobsters, shrimp, birds of prey, bats, owls, insects, rodents, lizards, and anything that any of these things might touch would make you unclean. And friends, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Because then we find out that it includes people who are sick, like the man with leprosy in Mark. People who are bleeding, like the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years in Mark. Or Gentiles, like the man in the graveyard that Jesus rescues in the book of Mark. Any one of them could be the mother of defilement at this meal. And that's why the Pharisees are weirded out by the disciples when they show up to eat. And they've had all this contact with the outside. All of these opportunities for uncleanness and defilement. And they don't even wash their hands. Because in the Pharisees' mindset, what offends God the most is danger from the outside. How would Jesus answer the question? I think you could probably guess. Jesus concludes that the danger comes from the inside. Read with me verses 15 to 23 in chapter 7 to see from Jesus and not from me how he answers this question. Starting in verse 15, Jesus says, There is nothing outside a person That by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. We'll jump to verse 18. He said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. The Mississippi River. Longest river in the United States of America is over 2,300 miles long. Millions of gallons of water flow from Minnesota down into the Gulf of Mexico every day. It's powerful. Beyond your imagination, what kind of power that takes to send that much water across the continent down into the ocean? But in times of natural disaster like the recent Hurricane Ida or Hurricane Katrina, these storms bring so much force down onto the Mississippi River that the river reverses its flow and flows from the Gulf towards Minnesota. The flow is reversed When it comes to the question of being unclean, Jesus is the hurricane. No longer does the danger come from the outside, from within, but Jesus, as the storm approaches, sends the flow backwards, and it comes from the inside out. Verse 19, Jesus says that the danger enters not the heart, the food enters not the heart, but the stomach, and is expelled Jesus is saying, "It doesn't matter if you're eating kosher or a pulled pork sandwich. It goes in one end and out the other. That's why Romans 14 verse 17, Paul says, "The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, "You don't have to look for the mother of defilement. Look in the mirror." There's two parts to Jesus' answer. I want you to see them before we apply this truth to our lives. There's many ways that it can be done. But the first part I want to show you is the source of the danger. In verse 21, we see the source. Jesus says, for from within, out of the heart of man. When we talk about the heart, how do we talk? It's not really a Halloween word. It's a Valentine's word, right? It's all about emotion. I love you with all my heart. He broke my heart. I have a broken heart. But when the Bible talks about the heart, Old Testament or New Testament, it's beyond emotion. It's your entire life. It's more than what you feel. Your heart includes what you think and what you do. It includes everything You are and you do. As one writer puts it, your heart is what makes you who you really are. The heart is not just the place where you feel emotions. The heart is the place where you stand before God and where God comes to meet you at the center of your existence. That's why Jeremiah 17 verse 10, God says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds." And Jesus says, this is the source. This is the place where the danger comes from. Now, before we talk about this more, and we're gonna, we are, I want you to see the outflow of the danger. What comes from this source when the river runs down? Look at the list in verse 21. I'm just going to read them right to you. Evil thoughts. Immorality. Just pause there really quickly. What that means, biblically, is any intimate practice outside of biblical marriage between one husband and one wife. Anything. The next four words are from the Ten Commandments. Theft. Murder, adultery, and coveting. Wickedness. Very general terms. Deceit, like Samson tricking his parents to eat honey from the lion without telling them. Deceit is taking advantage of others. Lying and craftiness. Sensuality. It means crossing the line, pushing the boundaries, trying to shock someone with your indecency. Envy. Wanting something that you don't have that God gave to someone else. Slander. Abusive, disrespectful speech that brings people down. Pride, feeling superior to others. Foolishness, a senseless lack of judgment. If there's one thing I'm confident about, it's that I don't have to convince anyone how prevalent these things are in the world today. If we have a pandemic, it's of these vices. And one for which we have never been able to produce a vaccine. Where do all these evils come from? Is it Satan? In Verse 23, Jesus says, all these evils come from within. You see that verse 23? All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Jesus says, "It's not society. It's not Hollywood's fault. It's not your family genes. It's not your personality. It's not peer pressure from your friends. It's not the devil or his demons. Ultimately, it comes from the inside." That's so what in James, chapter one, verse 14 and 15, James says, "But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire." Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I was in school at the time of the Columbine High School shooting. Changed the way we went to school forever. If you were alive at that point, I'm sure you remember that. Unfortunately, these things are all the more common today. But in the aftermath of The Columbine Tragedy, there was a documentary that was made. It explored the question of why this tragedy happened. And they interviewed all kinds of people from society who offered answers to the question, why did this happen? Some people thought it was violent video games that kids played. Some people thought it was the evil music, like Marilyn Manson. The producer of the documentary wanted to prove that it was guns. Either way you slice it, no matter what side you're on, they all agree it's from the outside. But Jesus in this list says murder comes from the heart. You may say, "Well, I've never murdered anyone." Have you ever had an evil thought? Because that's first on the list. Have you ever wanted something you didn't have that belonged to somebody else? Had envy? Have you ever been proud? About anything. Have you ever felt superior to your neighbors because you do life way better than them? Ever pushed the boundaries with sensuality? Ever thought something, practiced something outside of the biblical definition of marriage? Jesus says, Brothers and sisters, without him, this is your heart. If you listen to people apologize today, often when public figures or celebrities get caught in the act and they come forth with an apology, how do they apologize? How many times have you heard them step up to the microphone and say, I know how bad this looks, but this is not who I am. I'm not that kind of person It was really wrong, but it's not me. Brothers and sisters, Jesus says it exactly is you. These things come from our heart. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the prophet tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? It's not just documentary makers who try to shift the blame. This this creeps into the church. And the way we operate, I worked at a school in one of the roughest neighborhoods in Memphis. The reason it got started was a young girl, three years old, was shot in a um, drug transaction. Every kid in the school was was in an at-risk home, dangerous neighborhood. Even as the school was uh, operating, there was drug houses right next door, all down the street. And this ultimate question would come up all the time, whether we were in a discipline issue or or teaching the Bible, teaching about Jesus. Where where does the danger come from? And, And some on the staff and one teacher in particular answered the question, the danger comes from the outside. And we have to save these sweet little angels from the streets. We've got to rescue them from all of the evil around them. And some of us on staff would consider Jesus' words here and say, no, these kids need to be saved from their sin. You can take them out of the neighborhood, but you can't take the danger out of their hearts. Like the rabbis and the Pharisees, brothers and sisters, we start with the assumption that people are basically good. How many times do we think like that? He has a good heart. She's a good person. And if someone goes bad, if someone does something wrong, we try to find the danger on the outside. Where did it go wrong? Was it the parents' fault? Was it society? Psalm 51 verse 5, David knew where the danger was. After he committed adultery, David didn't blame anyone but himself. He says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me from birth. Romans 3, verse 12, Paul tells us, this is the story for all of us. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Now, don't raise your hands, because... I don't need that help today. (laughs) But how many of you are like really encouraged right now? Let me help you here. If this discourages you, if this offends you, if this brings you down, you don't get the gospel. And you might not have ever experienced the gospel. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is setting us up for the road of the gospel. This is the first truth of the gospel that we need to come to terms with. It's how we get to the good news in the first place. What did Jesus save us from? Brothers and sisters, hear the gospel. God made us to worship him. And he calls us to be holy as he is holy. But in our sin, all of us have been found guilty on this list. All of us are unclean. And no matter how hard we try to establish these rules and traditions like the Pharisees and try to right our wrongs and try to do enough good, we can never come up with enough good to cover our defiled hearts. Isaiah says that even our good deeds, even our righteous deeds, even the things you could take credit for are polluted and defiled. God never planned for you and I to clean up ourselves. And God never asked us to. And friends, some of us have lived our whole life as if we have to protect ourselves from the evil and develop enough good to earn God's favor. But the good news of the gospel was promised hundreds of years before Jesus through the prophet, prophet Ezekiel. In chapter 36, verse 26, God said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And God was faithful to his promise. He sent his son Jesus, the clean one, for the unclean. That's why the virgin birth is important He did not have this defiled, unclean heart from birth, from Adam. And Jesus loved God with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind and strength. And even at the cross, as he's being tortured in our place, he never had a single evil thought. Can you imagine? He never even thought one time something evil about the people who killed him. Never said a single word. Never, never envied the kings who had it easy. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Friend, you can live your whole life trying to protect yourself from the evil on the outside, but to belong with Jesus, you've got to deal with the evil on the inside. That's why Jesus, when he met the Pharisee at night in John chapter 3, said this in verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let me ask you, before God who sees you as you really are, who knows your heart better than you do, have you ever been born again? Is your hope based on the fact that Jesus Christ has entered your life and given you a new heart? Are you going to stand before God and hope that you did enough good? Brothers and sisters, there's only one answer that will give you a hope for eternal life. Call out to Jesus today. Make me clean. Give me a new heart. Let your spirit live inside of me. Do that. Even now, you don't have to wait for a song to do that. Cry out to the Lord today. Let him give you a new heart. Friends, every single one of us who has been born again, every single one of us who has that new heart, you know from your experience the danger is not completely over with. You have victory, but you also have sin living inside of you still. Jesus hasn't come back and finished it once and for all and given you a resurrected body, and you still have to fight. So let me just ask you, how do we take all of this that Jesus is teaching the Pharisees and apply it to our lives? How do we live these truths out? What would it look like if you took Jesus' answer seriously? I'm going to give you a few ways. I want to try to build you up and try and give you something to take home. It's not just something to know, but something to live, something to do. In your walk with God, in your sanctification... Live by the Spirit. Many of you who knew Seve Davidson, as we heard her story many times this year, knew that phrase that captured her heart and her life. Do you remember what it was? Make war. What's that talking about? It's talking about having this active, vigilant approach towards your heart, fighting the sin that still lives inside of you, pushing with all your heart to, to live for the Lord. Colossians 3 verse 5, Paul says, if you've been raised with Christ, put to death, make war. Therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry. Brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't give you grace so you could do those things and not feel any guilt about it. Grace is not a free pass to live however you want. Grace is the power to kill that in your life. And you already have it. So if Jesus has given you a new heart, prove it by putting that power into action. How would these truths change the way we teach and raise our kids? I've been challenged by this. I hope it challenges you, not just our kids, but our grandkids. How how do you approach life? Do you just try to protect them from everything on the outside? Just keep them away from the evil influences of the world? And they're there. The Bible tells us the world tempts us, that the devil can, can deceive us. But friends, listen. Those things don't help But your kid's heart doesn't need any help. We have all that we need for danger inside of us. And so you can do all that you want to do to protect them from on the outside and never deal with the true problem on the inside. And you know what that's like? It's like the abusive father who builds a fence around his yard to protect his kids from cars in the road. Doesn't do anything about him. Friends, that's how we approach life that's how we approach parenting and grandparenting. We just want to keep the evil out in our sweet little innocent baby angels to grow up holy. You can't approach kids that way when it when the Bible tells us that all of us have turned aside. And you have to from an early age help help the kids see their sin so that they can see their helplessness, why so that they will want help from a savior. So that they'll be desperate for a savior. Instead of trying to keep the world out of them, brothers and sisters, we need to pray and act so that the gospel would flow in. Oh my, brothers and sisters, somebody ought to say amen there. This should change the way we witness. And we share the gospel to our community. We are not better than the lost. We are not better than our neighbors who do not know Jesus. Paul tells us that's who we once were before the gospel came. We were just like them. We have no ability to go to them and act like they should be like us. We shouldn't come to them like the Pharisees with this list of man made religious rules do this, don't do that. It's confusing the message. We have to point them to Christ who can give them a new heart. The gospel that saved us can save them. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is the message we come with. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. Let me give you one more reason why this should really matter to you and why it shouldn't offend you and it shouldn't discourage you, but it should encourage you. The more you understand this, The more you understand the danger and where it comes from, the more you understand your heart without Christ, the more you can worship him. The deeper the valley you go, the higher you can go into the mountain of grace. Until you see the dark depravity of your soul without Jesus, you cannot glorify and honor and worship him in the light and glory of the gospel. You want to give God all the glory He deserves? Understand who you are without Him. And don't take offense at that. That's the message of your salvation. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a good old boy like me. (laughs) No, right? Let me help you out. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. That's the message. When you get it, the grace is amazing. He's worth praising for what he's done. Luke 5, verse 32, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Romans 5, 8, but God shows us his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 27, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Friends, tonight, don't get it confused. As the people dress up as ghosts and zombies, and monsters, remember that the truth isn't much of a game. There's no charade to this news. The question of morality is an ultimate matter. And the danger lies inside of us all. But thanks be to God, Jesus gives us a new heart and changes us from the inside out. Glory be to God our King. Let's pray.